Hello, good morning, good evening, wherever and whenever you may be listening. Welcome to the first episode of The Refs in Specs. We are your hosts, I'm Theo, and this is my younger brother Ewan. Hello! This is the podcast, and probably the only place in the world, that tries to explain football decisions from the ref's point of view, and even occasionally cuts them some slack. Uh, Ewan and I have over 15 years refing experience between us, so fair to say we've had our fair share of insults, big calls and drama along the way. Uh, this week we'll have a special guest joining us to give us his worst decision ever to add to our leaderboard, which ho- hopefully will grow as the year goes on. So sit back and get ready to get angry at all those decisions you'd forgotten about that the ref didn't give your team on the weekend. So I think it's a good idea first that we introduce ourselves. So hi, I'm Ewan. I've been refereeing for the last five years at youth level. I'm a uni student at St. Mary's Uni in Twickenham studying sports journalism. Hopefully you might have seen some of my work in 442 and other established sports papers. But right now you'll find most of my work in the Sports Gazette, where I hope many of you have come from having read the launch article for the podcast. If you haven't read it, however, don't worry, as I'm here to explain what we'll be doing on the podcast. Uh, I think we'll get Theo to introduce himself a bit first, and then we'll introduce our special guest as well. Hey, I'm Theo. I'm Ewan's older brother and refereeing mentor. Uh, I've had my fair share of ref horror stories, and Ewan and I spend a lot of time comparing notes on the weekend's events in both our own games and the biggest games from around the world. So to make this podcast just sort of made sense, really. Um, a bit about me as well as a ref. I'm a drummer in a band. I'm a personal trainer. And I'm a Chelsea fan. Now, we are lucky enough to have an amazing special guest. And you have probably seen him all over Twitter making the most outrageous takes about Man United. He is the biggest Ollie out fan I have ever met in my life. Mr. Lies Bazidi. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being our first guest. Oh, what an intro. Thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a pretty decent introduction, uh, as is, covers pretty much every bit. So, the way this podcast is going to work, it'll be good so you know exactly how it's going to go. We're going to start, we're basically going to split the podcast into three key sections. So, the first section, we're going to look at three key decisions from the last week of major football. This week might be slightly different because, to be fair to the refs, they've been pretty, pretty good during the international yes, break. they had a good weekend. They had a good yeah. weekend. There's been one decision that we'll delve into a bit later, but we're going to have a look at some of the Premier League action from last week. And then next week, we'll delve more into the Premier League and some other leagues around the world that have made the bigger news. And then in the second part, we're going to... I'm going to tell, actually, a little story about my time as a ref, a story about my first game, actually. And each week, me and Theo are going to take it in turns. And hopefully, when we get some major refs on the podcast, they're going to have some really interesting stories. And then the big thing, this is the thing that's going to sort of set us apart from everyone else. We've got Lies, and he's going to tell us his worst refereeing decision of all time. We'll be looking at this list, and there's the obvious ones. There's the Graham Pohl three yellow card. There's there's Frank Lampard basically causing the introduction of goal line technology. But from what I hear, Lies has got one a bit more out of the box than those two. So hopefully... Hopefully, we're going to have a good one. So, yeah, let's just get on with the podcast. Let's go. Crack on. All right, so let me take you back a couple of days. The sunny island, the Aviva Stadium, Dublin. 
It's Portugal Island. It's 80th minute or so. Pepe, as always, he probably had one before they started the game, is on a yellow card. Um, and he's in the corner of the pitch, pretty innocuous. Callum Robinson is closing him down. Pepe, you know, holds him off, plays the ball. No one thinks anything of it. But Callum Robinson goes flying. He's on the ground. He's been shot from the crowd. Who knows what's happened? Um, ref comes over. Most confident man in the whole place. Walks up. Yellow card. Red card. He's gone. Pepe can't believe it. Um, yeah. What do you think, Ewan? I know you've seen it now. Well, my issue is that, for me, it's, it's not even a foul. Like, I feel like that's the number one thing. Like, Pepe, yeah, as in, I don't think Pepe is the, like, the best footballer in terms of his nature. He's always going to be making fouls. And he's always going to be doing certain things on purpose. So it's quite difficult to tell if he actually meant to hit Callum Roberts in the face because he does touch him in the face. There is a little yeah. hit in the face. So you sort of got to accept that. But Pepe doesn't, I don't think Pepe really looks at him. He sort of just reaches his arm out, is just trying to hold him off. And I think what's key here is Callum Robinson's reaction. Yeah. Callum Selden. Selden. is what gets the booking for Pepe. Leos, what do you sort of think about it? Yeah, I actually just researched this just now. And it's actually Pepe's first red card since 2018. No, I think it's a bit. I honestly think, too, even at Real Madrid, he had a fairly good record with like discipline. He, he's one of those. You can't both get sent off because Ramos is getting sent off every week. Right, there you go. <laughs> Pepe, that's the thing, though. Pepe and Ramos were really tactical with their fouls. They do as much as they could to not get sent 100%. As Chelsea fans, too, you guys will know Diego Costa as well, right? Oh, like, yeah. living on the edge. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he ever got sent off for Chelsea. No, yeah, no. he did get one. Once. Once, once in three seasons, which is crazy. Yeah. But, but, yeah, crazy here when you got one. He was never sent off for Atletico. There you go. Yeah, he was never sent off for Atletico. But, but I, I kind of have mixed feelings on, like, the entire act in general because... So, I'm a United fan, and I watch Paul Pogba a lot. And Paul Pogba is often kind of disciplined for almost the same act, right? Like, these bigger, taller players often find themselves in positions where they are holding off players, usually with their arms, right? It's almost yeah. like a split-second action. They, they, they just react by, by pushing their arm out to hold a player off. And Pogba, I remember he actually got sent off for that same offense against PSG, causing him to miss the second yeah. leg. United actually ended up winning that game. But but yeah, I feel like it's an action that sometimes gets like, it's not consistent. Yeah, so this is something I have an issue with as well, because yeah, I think it comes back to that sort of natural positioning sort of argument that you have with handball. Stuff. It's like, so for someone like Pogba, when he sticks his arm out, if Callum Robinson runs into him, or what, let's say, let's keep it as Pepe. Pepe puts his arm out, expecting there to be someone. So he just wants to basically give himself a second when the guy gets close so he knows to move his body or something. That guy's going to run head first into his arm because he's a shorter guy. I think the thing that you need to talk about in these situations, because it's so contextual refereeing, is like intent in this situation and movement. Like if there's a push from the arm or an elbow backwards, then yeah, of course, I think it's going to be a foul and a card of some sort. But his arm is, it's not even fully extended, I don't even think, in this one. It was just, like, sort of up. One of the issues here, though, is that because it was a booking, people sometimes don't realise that because when things are a booking, they can't actually go to VAR. So VAR will only check, sort of, 
big decision. So they'll check the red cards, they'll check penalties and things like that. But they can't check second booking. Yeah. And I think that's something that they could look to actually implement. The second booking is maybe something they could look. First bookings, I understand. But second bookings are arguably are more important. Yeah. yeah, but it's that whole thing where it's like, what if you get a soft booking for your like second one and be like, okay, it's fair enough. But you got like a harsh one for your first one. People would be like, yeah. oh, well, why can't they look back at that one? I think they should keep it as we only look at straight red decisions and like that. I feel like there'll be too many complaints otherwise. Yeah, what do you think, Leah? What do you think you're like, would you have given the second yellow there? Again, it, it really depends on the consistency of that call. So if if he's always called, like it really depends on what the, the letter of the law really states. If it states that a player reaching out his arm and going like that is, is an offense, then yeah, it is a yellow card. But I think you, you kind of said it well, right? Refereeing is all about context. You can't yeah. just judge every single decision with the same logic. You have to apply context with all of it. And I think, like you said, uh, Ewan, he is just he doesn't even before Callum Robinson comes, he automatically it's an instinct. And yeah. for that reason, yeah, I would I would say a second yellow card was extremely harsh. And if they've they've got VAR in the World Cup qualifiers, and we were just t- talking before the podcast about how amusingly Ronaldo Ronaldo's goal against Serbia was almost sort of what propelled VAR to come into yeah. uh, the World Cup qualifiers. And so it's amusingly been at Portugal's detriment twice now that they're not even qualifying there yeah Yeah. so yeah um so i think all three of us then we're sort of saying no red card yeah i agree i think a an interesting call for our first one to talk about on this podcast because Theo's going to introduce the second one now and i think that's where we'll actually look at how well we thought the uh the referee did on the day actually yeah so go for it there talk about our second uh, decision we're talking about we're coming back to england next going to the East End, to the London Stadium, West Ham-Liverpool. Big game this year, especially a big game this year. Yeah, big, big game. West Ham are playing really, really well in that top four, basically. They're, they're one of the clubs up there. Um, West Ham not well. Corner, corner comes in. Great corner. Quick decide. Um, ball comes in. Bit of a jump near the near post. In-swinging ball. Ball ends up in the net. West Ham celebrate. Liverpool aren't disappointed. They're angry. Um, they're around the ref. They're shouting. They want a foul on Allison. Basically, what's gone down is there's a couple of players sort of jostling around Allison. Ogbonna makes a good run, gets up a nice strong leap in front of him. Allison's late to the party, basically. Um, doesn't get up in time. Sort of half jumps, half flaps, and ends up punching it into his own net. And as any goalie would, he then, because he did win the ball, appeals for a foul. And 99% of the time, the goalie would get that foul. Um, but he doesn't. Um, yeah, all right. I'll move over to you guys. Well, Liaz, what do you think of it? I think he summed it up pretty well, to be honest with you. I know Jurgen Klopp was extremely incensed. Uh, so was Alisson. And I think, yeah, goalkeepers are typically always the most protected player, period, on, on the pitch in general. Yeah. And in these incidents... Anytime there's even a hint of a foul or a hint of foul play, the goalkeeper is back and they get the free kick because it's easier to basically make that call than to do what happened this, this past weekend at West Ham. However, I think the main difference from what normally happens, which is usually a goalkeeper, like it'll be in the goalkeeper's hands or yeah. it'll be in his, about to be in his yeah, control. Yeah, yeah. 
a West Ham defender or a defender in general will, will come in and interfere. I think what happened here, like you said, Alisson is late to the party, and I think he jumps into Ogbonna. Yeah. And for that reason, it's not a foul on Ogbonna. Ogbonna is making a fair attempt at winning that header. Yeah. yeah. I think all refs hate the GK Union. <laughs> we, we do. We do. The GK Union. Because you're pressured into these decisions. Mm. Because especially like at the level I've refed at, the kids are small. Yeah. Like they're not big people. So if right. they come out and claim a corner and they get like pushed over, it's easy for them to be pushed over. Foul. You just do. You've just got to give the foul. At the Premier League, I think people need to realize that goalkeepers are just players wearing gloves. That's yeah. all they are. They shouldn't be getting this level of extra protection. They have almost a level of extra protection by wearing the gloves. They are, and they are so much more licensed than anyone else on the football pitch to do what they want. They get the slightest touch on the ball. They can clatter people because they've got that level of protection around them. And I think that's the issue almost with this challenge. And one of the reasons we're talking about it, actually, we know it was a couple of weeks ago, it was that Alison on international duty went out onto Instagram and went something like, oh, it's easy to catch the ball if you're not being like pushed over. And that's just, as in that sort of bit, just like salty Liverpool, like Kloppen. Yeah, he's been with Klopp. Salty manager, isn't he? Like when he loses, like he's not the biggest fan of losing. And last year can't have gone well for him with all those losses. I think with Alisson though, also like in that incident, you have so much of an advantage. You can literally, you can jump higher than any player can hit yeah. the ball and, and lift your hands up Literally. and catch the ball. No, no player should have any excuse of beating you to a header or something like that. Yeah. But for me, that's unacceptable. Like, that's, yeah. that's ridiculous. It, it, the idea that goalies lose, like, one-on-ones is actually kind of mad. You don't think about it. Yeah. They've got a solid 60 centimeters on anyone. It's like, as long as they've got a decent jump, and it's like, unless you're facing Ronaldo, no one's <laughs> jumping as high as you. Right. Well, um, yeah. So, Leas, do you think that it definitely wasn't a foul. A hundred percent. For me, I've said this numerous times, right? Klopp is the nice guy when his team wins. Everyone loves Jurgen Klopp. The minute things go wrong, all of a sudden, everyone is at fault except for him and his team. So, yeah, I think I think the right decision was hundred percent made. Here, yeah. Here's my question for you, though, for both of you guys, actually. Yeah. Um, Jurgen Klopp, what he did is effectively what Jose Mourinho has done numerous times. Fergie used to do it all the time. And it's honestly like you, he may not even believe that, but he has to basically come out to take the attention away from his players. And effectively, the referee takes all the burden. But no one really thinks about it from the officiating side of things. Like they are always the fall guy, they have to take the blame. Do you almost feel like referees should start, com- or like there should be something where right? uh, an official comes out after the game, explains his side of events and what was going through his mind when he made the call? Or do you think it's better to just like they made the call, that's it? I think the thing is they've they've there's this has been spoken about a lot whether like refs should come out and do press conferences and stuff. I think there's just too much risk with it. You know, if a ref makes a decision in the second minute and then what, let's say two hours later he gets interviewed, it's so easy for him to say something slightly wrong that he didn't quite remember. Yeah. In the moment he was completely confident of what he did. And that is what you have to trust in a ref, is that in the moment they know exactly what they're doing. You know, they're talking, they're communicating, which we don't get to see or hear. Um, and he's confident in his decision. Two hours later, he's You're been right. gassed. He's been running around. Um, you're not in your most, like, together state. He could very easily say something, and then people pick up on that. 
then they'll be outlawed. They'll be like, oh, he didn't even see the foul or he didn't see this. And it's kind of like, I just think there'd be too many, too many complications if you get to interviewing refs. Yeah, on that topic, actually, sorry to like take this completely. I, I, no, Mike, Mike Dean recently, I think, was actually talking about a pretty similar incident to what you're talking about. So I'm pretty sure it was Mike Dean uh, who refereed the Champions League final against Real and Atletico Madrid. Uh, I think this was Klassenberg. Klattenberg, sorry. I spoke to Theo about this. Yeah, that is Mark Klattenberg, excuse me. Uh, Mark Klattenberg, who refereed the 2016 or 2017 Champions League final yeah, between Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid. He basically talked about the incidents where he basically had to make an inc- uh, a decision on the fly that to this day, he's not 100% confident was yeah. right. Yeah. And he's being like, destroyed on social media. And Leah's actually wanted to ask you about this while you're here, actually, what would you think about being able to hear the refs whenever they go to VAR or whenever they're making a key decision, like we've given a penalty? You could also tap into, like, you know how in F1 they can tap into, like, the team principal's headsets? What if we could tap into the football referee's headset? What would you think about that? Being uh, from the U.S., I watch a lot of NBA. And in the NBA, when they go to watch replays, they are mic'd up as in you hear everything they're discussing. Yeah. I think it, it, it brings a level of accountability into, into matters because like we were hearing about the Kladenberg incident, they literally did not know what they were doing. They had to make a decision on the fly just for the, just for the sake of the game continuing. And I think, yeah, at first, like there may be incidents where referees are saying stuff and you're hearing from home, like, what the heck do you mean by that? Or no, that's not the right thing to say. But I think based on the fact that they'll have that much more pressure on them, Mm-hmm. They will the, the levels will raise up just naturally. So I, I think for VAR incidents, I don't I would I obviously don't want to hear a referee speak for the entirety of 90 minutes, but I think for VAR moments in particular, I think yeah, there could be some positivity coming from that. Well, regardless of this tangent, um so Theo, what are you saying? I assume you're in agreement with me and Leah's here. No foul? No foul. I mean the biggest injustice is that it's an Alice known goal instead of an Ogbonna goal. <laughs> That's, That's fair. Guy. Um no, never a foul, never a foul. All right, so instead of a third decision, which we would usually talk about, we're going to talk about something a bit different this week. Uh, the weekend just gone, it was the Women's Football Weekend. Um, so lots of games were shown on TV, a lot more than usual. Yeah, um, we did really good ones, actually. Chelsea, the Chelsea, 4-0 against Man City. Everton won one v Man U as well. That was a really good game to watch. Yeah, tight game that one. Um, yeah, like really good weekend of football, as hopefully shouldn't surprise a lot of people because hopefully a lot of people have been watching those games when they are on because they are good football matches. I can, I can say that as someone who's watched a few women's games in the last few weeks. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to sort of talk about the refereeing side of things as well. But sort of just like what you think of the game at the moment. I think it's a very interesting phase for women's football at the moment and a lot of the stuff around it is there's a lot of comparisons to men's football and I think that's what everyone is comparing it to there's the big thing though is is women's football should it be the same as men's football so should the goal sizes be the same for example but the big talk recently has been about whether or not VAR should be implemented into the women's game yeah and he's brought this up recently Chelsea manager. Um, yeah, she made it in a press conference recently saying that if women's football wants to take the next step up, which it's kind of ready to do with the numbers and the sponsors and stuff it's starting to get, that they need to basically implement VAR to be taken seriously. I think 
it's an interesting idea and i think it's something that will definitely happen very soon mm-hmm. part of the issue is that a lot of the major men's football leagues currently don't have var in so you've got the scottish premier league that is working to get var in very soon so it's whether or not it's the right time for the women's game to get var but as we've seen the issue with the men's game at the moment is that there's not really the number of referees who are going to be able to do it. In women's football, I'm pretty sure none of the referees for the WSL are professional referees. There are so they're not. There are none. All there are none. The refs in the women's Super League, uh, all the female refs, are, none of them are professional. So that means that you're instantly at a disadvantage. They don't have the same backing. They don't have the same funding. They don't have the same development and teaching that a lot of these men's football refs do. But the ones who are the ones who have pushed to the top, they've transitioned to men's football. So you've got Theo and I probably have both, both have a favourite referee and a favourite uh, linesman. And our favourite linesman is Sean Massey-Ellis. And we will 100% agree on that because I've never seen her get a decision wrong. And that is including since VAR has been introduced she will put her flag up, and I don't think I've ever seen her be overturned. Theo, you were saying, weren't you, that um, England the other day had a female ref for the first time, didn't they? Yeah, it's starting to happen. Like, you know, there are female refs in the world coming up, um, just none from England at the moment. So I believe uh, Katerina Monzul refereed the England Andorra World Cup qualifier. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and, you know, it's happening. There was a either a Champions League or a Euro game or something, I can't remember what it was, that had a female as well. Um, but yeah, the sort of the, you know, so there's obviously the refs out there. Sort of the problem in England, though, to bring it back, is sort of just, it's a very, I feel like, classic English football thing is just to complain, complain, complain. You know, there was a big decision recently in the WSL about, and don't get me wrong, obviously when you watch it, it doesn't look great. There was basically a very obvious handball um, in the lead up to a goal, I think. Ref didn't give it, the goal stood. Um, and Sky Sports News, or Sky Sports after the game, had, you know, they had their big touch screen out, they were analysing it, and they got Dermot Gallagher on, so, you know, former Premier League ref. Yeah, yeah. Criticised this referee for two or three minutes, and it's kind of like, why are you holding her to the standards of a Premier League ref when she's not a professional, she's not a Premier League ref, you know, you can't hold them to the same level. It's I'd like, be interested in watching that, actually, because... You have to train them better? It sounds like she's almost being held to a higher standard than Premier League refs. Because yeah. Premier League refs have VAR. Whereas... And the refs... The refs get criticised a lot in the Premier League. But because we have VAR, they tend to sort of fly a bit under the radar. They, they get, get away that... With a lot now, they get that second chance. They... I think people don't realise that refs do still make quite a lot of wrong decisions, but because we've got VAR in the background, yeah, it's still there. So, Leas, what do you think about, as in this sort of in this debate really around like bringing in VAR into women's football, and I guess then further from that, like the referees in uh, the women's game. I, I think, yeah, I think the women's women's football needs VAR. I think honestly, every facet of professional football needs VAR because. I think of it myself as a football fan. I want to be watching the highest 
level of everything, to be honest with you. And I know that's obviously not going to happen everywhere. Like I know watching a championship game, the, the quality on display will not be as good as the Premier League, for example. But I believe that, yeah, if available, the highest level of technology, which is going to be consistent throughout, should be made available and should be at disposal everywhere you go. And I think as long as you don't have VAR in women's football, for example, it will always be something held against it. As yeah. in, why would I watch it if I know it's not at the highest like standard, if that makes sense? Having VAR will, will benefit completely with the women's game because the level of play will go up because you won't be having as many decisions, meaning yeah. more people want to watch it. They're going to watch, they're, they want to watch the best product available. And so for me, I, I don't even look at just women's football. I think even the, Cap, the Carabao Cup doesn't have VAR. No, that's like how, a... how can I be watching Man United, Chelsea, two of the biggest teams on the planet, and the wrong call can be made and it's okay because there's no VAR, yeah. right? So if it's not already being made there, the women's, super, the women's Super League, of course, doesn't have it. I think it should be implemented in every single facet of professional football, at least in the big countries in Europe, okay? Like, I, yeah. I understand in Slovenia, if they don't have VAR, they just, the, the game has just not developed. Or, like, that league has not developed. You're going to get the Slovenians out here. Listen, you know I'm yeah, controversial. Man. But I understand it'll take time in other countries just because of resources, just because of what you have. But yeah. in, in England, in the Women's Super League, I think you have to have it, 100%. Yeah, I, I also, believe that no, go ahead, go ahead. All of these clubs that exist in the Women's Super League, it's not like they're standalone clubs that are, like, right. trying to make their own money and stuff. It's like, you're telling me that Chelsea Football Club or Man U can't be can't turn to their women's team and be like, oh, we'll pay for the VAR. 100%. Like, there's, def- there's the money in the game. All it would take is one or two of those clubs to be like, we'll sort out the VAR for the Women's Super League. And the thing is, you shouldn't be looking at it like this, really. It's like, they will come off so well if they do that. If Man U are the club that gave the WSL VAR, you know what I mean? They were like, we funded it because we want to push the game onwards and we want right. it. Seriously, it can only be good for both of them. But that's that's really that's really like it stems to a deeper problem, which is the fact that the women's game is severely, uh, I don't know, neglected. And I mean, for me as a United fan, you look at the, the the reports that came out last season about how they were like not treating, but like the 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 resources that the women's team has compared to the men's Man team. Men's uses a very new setup as well, isn't it? So for anything, they should have expect this to be like the. I mean, forget about we're going to do this right. We're Manchester United. They're the biggest team in the country, but their 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 players are, are playing and training in like conditions that aren't set for like professionals. Yeah. But anyways, for me that just that just speaks to the the root of the problem that the women's game has not been. I mean, it's getting there, right? It's a process, but I think that. It could be going a lot faster than it actually is if people put in enough effort. And on the subject of women's referees, I think I agree with you, right? Like, it's great seeing them given major roles and major responsibility in the men's game. And when they are doing such an excellent job, that should only encourage people to keep giving those people opportunities. So, yeah. Like we said, anything happening with the women's game, like on Sky and on networks, is going to be good for the game. I almost feel like... It's a case of they, they almost believe, maybe I'm wrong about this, but that's just the way I kind of see things that, oh, we'll, we'll introduce VAR when the game starts to grow a little more. But I honestly think it's the inverse. I think the game will, will, will become more popular by adding these professional rules, by adding VAR. I think the exact opposite will happen. Like you will gain viewership and you will gain interest amongst other people when you, when you increase the level of the WSL, in my opinion. Do you think more people, that's the key thing, People used to speak about refereeing decisions a lot on Twitter and everything. I would argue that people actually speak about them 
more 100%. because of VAR being in the game. 100%. What if every week on Ref Watch on Sky, you had two uh, decisions from the Premier League yeah. and you had one from the WSL? We're just going to, like, from the women's game, because, yeah, like you say, they don't have all these angles and cameras and stuff. What we're going to do is just really try and explain to people what the ref's seeing in that moment, what the conversation that will have been had to try and reach the best decision. But at the end of the day, they're going on what they can see. She's not giving wrong decisions on purpose. Um, it's, you know, it's a decision based on what you see. And the lack of tech, basically, means that she can't always give the best decision. And we're going to do our best to uh, promote it as much as we can here. So next, Ewan, I believe, is going to tell us a little tale this week. It's a bit of a classic. Uh, a story from your first game, right? It is a story from my first game. So a lot of people don't know, but when you sign up to be a referee, you pay about £160. Wow. <laughs> it is. But to qualify as a referee, you have to do six matches before you get your official qualification. You get paid for those six matches. You get paid for them. Okay. So yeah, you actually. pay off your whole debt that you have accrued from paying for the course. Before so you're even officially a ref. So I think I probably made back about £180. Okay. So I was actually in profit at the end of it. But my first ever game was at Parkfield, which is a, just a local club to me, just down the road. And my dad was being great throughout my whole footballing career and used to come watch all my matches. Actually comes to watch a fair few of my refereeing games. But he decided not to come to my first refereeing match. And boy, did he make a mistake. Anyway, game's a lively affair. Two local teams. Uh, I'm a bit nervous though. It's my first ever game refereeing. It's a big deal. I think they're like under 13, 14. So you know, it's that stage where everyone thinks they're big men. You know? <laughs> like everyone thinks they're like they're like gonna take on the ref with all his decision. I, I wasn't. Me, I can't lie. I used to argue with referees all the time. But I got, sent, future, I, got, I got sent off one time. The one time I ever got sent off in my life. Just for arguing with a referee. He gave me a straight red just for saying, what the hell was that? Like, oh, yeah, that's a classic. Long day. That's harsh. Yeah, that's I know. Fair, what the, what the hell, I've been called a cheat before and sent someone off. Now, American, that's a story American, for American day, refs are soft, man. I think that's really good. <laughs> anyway, we're two local teams. A really good game. It's like 3-3 going into the second half. And I've just given a throw-in. So I'm looking at the sideline. No stress. I just hear shouting behind me. And I turn around. And I see the player from the away side punch someone in Parkfield in the face. Yeah? Just punch him straight in the face. And I'm like, in my head, I go straight away, I go, that's a red card. As in, it's obvious though, isn't it? It's yeah, always going to be a red card. It's a red card. The Parkfield player throws a punch back. Oof. Yeah? So in my head now, we're like, that's retaliation. So what do I know about retaliation? People often forget this about retaliation. That will come back later in the story. Retaliation, regardless, is a red card offence. Because he too threw a punch. It doesn't matter what happened. He threw a punch back. So I'm stood there. Anyway, but as a rep, you aren't allowed to, especially in youth, or in youth football, you're not allowed to break people apart. You're not allowed to go anywhere near the kids on the pitch. Okay. So you basically blow your whistle really loudly and move away from the well, incident. Well, just stop fighting. Well, the managers are allowed to run onto the pitch. Yeah. So you blew your whistle really loudly and the managers both legged it onto the pitch, pulled these people apart. And everyone's like, mm, so many people on the pitch and everything. And I'm like, oh God, my first game refereeing and it's gone like this. Like, how has this happened? 
Anyways, but I know that I've got a red card. The first guy, the first guy who threw the punch. I'm looking around for him and I can't find him anywhere. And he's over on the side of the pitch with his mum crying. And I was like, oh, please, what has happened? It turns out what had happened in reality was that the kid from the home team had basically, I think, made like a your mum joke to the other guy. Yeah. And the other guy had reacted badly. Is it down, is it down to six? <laughs> yeah, literally, literally. <laughs> anyway, walk yeah, over to this guy. Grassroots to the World Cup, you've got to ref it the same. That's what he was training. From under 11 to the World Cup final, it's the same rules. That's true. I walk over to this guy. He's crying on the side of his mum. I'm like, oh, I feel so bad. You know, like you feel bad. So I walk over and you're not supposed to do this as a ref. It's my first ever game. So I sort of have to go, I'm really sorry. I can see you're upset, but I'm red carding you for punching this guy in the face. And he's like, oh, it's okay. Like, sorry or whatever. And then just like, he just stays on the side. I then walk back over and all these kids on the pitch are laughing. They're like, oh my God, he just sent that other guy off. Like, I can't believe it. Anyway, I walk over and the kid who got punched originally and threw the other punch back, standing with his manager and a crowd of players around him. And I say, oh, can I just speak to you? I just need to talk to you about what just happened. And he goes, oh yeah, sure. And I go, oh, I'm red carding you for retaliation. And the manager's face just drops. <laughs> he just drops and he just goes, wait, why? And I go, oh, well, you know, he punched him in the face. And he went, oh, yeah, but he was just punching him back. And I went, <laughs> that is, I was, are you advocating for kids to be punching each other? Because <laughs> that's what it sounds like to me. You are advocating for physical violence between young people. So I sent the kid off, and this manager sort of just like lost it. He just like stormed back off the pitch, just like headed over there. I then turn around. And like the club chairman has like showed up and is walking over to me and he goes, oh, are you okay? I know this is your first game. And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I think I dealt with that great, you know, like it was a great time. But that is one story. And I probably have about 30 other stories like it of just managers not understanding mm -hmm. um, like simple rules of football and like the basic rules of what like referees have to go by. I might, I probably won't tell this story at some other point in the podcast, so I can say it now quickly. I've had, I've given a handball before and the manager's come over to me and gone, uh, how did you give that as a handball? And I've said to him, oh, can you show me where it hit on your player? And he pointed to his elbow. And I went, what? <laughs> I went, that's a handball. And he went, he literally, I saw him like move his hand up his arm as he realised <laughs> and like pointed his shoulder. And I went, yeah, oh, well, you clearly don't really, really know. <laughs> but yeah, Theo, as in Theo, has some quite amazing refereeing stories that you're hearing this time. And we're hoping that when we get the big name refs on this podcast to talk to us, that they're going to have some really interesting stories. You know what? Maybe even they'll remember some time when they were refereeing in their yeah, youth football they days. Up as well, that'll be cool. <laughs>
we appreciate a phenomenal refereeing decision. Yeah. So each week we're going to invite our guest, and in this case, Leah's, I hope he's got a good one for us, to our worst refereeing decisions list of all time or to our best refereeing decisions list of all time. And then when the series ends, we'll post the list on Twitter and we'll show you where they feature. Theo and I are going to rank them. Yeah. And so we are the official adjudicators of this. There's rumours, Leah, that no matter what, you're going to go to number one on the list at the end of this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at the end of this talk, uh, but that's not because we're biased or anything. But it's just, it's just rumour has it you will be. So I'm just going to leave it up to you to uh, hit us up. We've got absolutely, no, we've got no idea what you are going to bring to I, us. I think it's a very random one. I, I was thinking to myself, like, I'm sure you guys don't want to hear about Maradona '86. You guys don't want to hear about. Pedro Mendes or, or Lampard or like you said, um, the Croatia game where there were three yellow cards. Like everyone can talk about those. Uh, I, I just had to keep mine in-house being a United fan. So you're going, uh, for, you're going for the worst then? Yeah, I'm going for the, the worst like obscure one. Because again, like it's easy to name the ones everyone yeah, knows. Yeah, but this yeah. is one that happened in a random Premier League game. It wasn't like, it didn't have huge implications on the title, but it was a terrible call. In fact, it went in favor of my team. Okay. So I'm going to bring you guys back to 2010-11, the Premier League season, Manchester United are hosting Tottenham. I've got it. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. I love this decision. Nani is flying down the right-hand side, right? And he has players on his on his back. I, I can't remember the exact incident, but it may have been Ludley King, uh, maybe Asuakato, who, who were chasing him down. And Nani is your typical flair winger, right? A typical Portuguese flair winger in the mold of Cristiano Ronaldo. He feels a slight bit of contact and he plunges himself onto the ground. And the referee decides that he, it wasn't enough. They didn't call like a dive or whatever. There wasn't enough contact play. But Nani, when he falls down, falls on it with his, like he almost catches the ball as he falls down. And it's in the box. Herulio Gomez, who's the goalkeeper for Spurs at the time, thinks that because Nani touched the ball, it was a free kick, even though the referee yeah. never blew his whistle. But Nani clearly jumped onto the ball. Like, I'm trying my, my best to kind of paint the picture for you guys. Nani plunges himself onto the ball and, and like, picks up with his hands. And Gomez thinks that's a free kick, so he kind of rolls the ball out and, and gets ready to take a free kick in his own box. Everyone else is kind of walking away because I'm sure they feel the same way he did. And Nani realizes that he's probably the only person that realizes that the referee never blew his whistle. And he starts to jog back a little. Gomez is taking his time. And then all of a sudden, Nani just kicks the ball into the back of the net. <laughs> Like, I remember watching it at the time. I was like, surely they're just going to conclude. No, that's yeah. not going to count. I think my favorite thing about it, though, isn't it? Doesn't Nanny, like, have a quick glance at the ref? Right, right. He literally, yeah. like, has a quick, he, he, like, looks at them. And the ref just, like, as in, I, I haven't seen the ref. But I bet the ref just sort of just, like, gives them a... Yeah, smile. go on, then. Like, no, you know. Like, uh, like oh, go, on, 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 go on, then. Go on, go on, go on. We'll see what happens after this. But, yeah, Nanny scores the goal. I think United wins the game 3-1. But it was just crazy because everyone was expecting when Nani puts the ball in the net, the, goal, the referee is going to just blow his whistle. And he didn't. It was a clear, a clear handball. And Geraldo Gomez must just have nightmares about that because, I mean, at the same time, right, you played to the whistle and there was no whistle, but the ref had a howler that game. And for me, that's the one that sticks that's, out to me. That's a shocker. That's one of my favorites. That was on, like, my sort of list. That I'd yeah. You know what? That's one. That's one for me that is one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast because I'd completely forgotten about that. I've seen that countless times, yeah. but I'd completely forgotten about it as a decision. And let's just be honest, today, 
that would never have happened. Hundred percent, because VAR, yeah, VAR, VAR would, it would just, have just, it would have just not counted. The interesting thing, though, is that the ref didn't blow his whistle. Yeah. Mm. And so, as in, would it actually have been allowed today? No. Is, is an in build up? So. Oh, I guess technically I have no, but it's a new phase of play because it's gone with the goalkeeper. Yeah, potentially. So potentially, it would have actually. I know. Weirdly, I know you've brought this as your worst refereeing decision of all it's time. It's a great one, but it's actually <laughs> it's a poor decision because he should have looked and been like, yeah. "Oh, it's a handball." But I guess at the time, is it correct? Well, what happened? Well, the way it plays out is sort of the way it plays out is correct. Yeah, wrong, I guess. Yeah. Somehow. So him actually pick it, him handballing it should have been blown up 100%. that is that, to be fair if that's what you get that's that is a horrendous decision yeah it's i guess it's the whole series of events in a way yeah. because it, it's hilarious to watch and i think hurt me as a chelsea fan because <laughs> you were like, you were competing with us for the title yeah, yeah, yeah. and it just seemed like everything was going your way and then that's literally awesome. nanny just like picks up the ball and then puts it down and scores it's like what it just seems I so... I watched it being like, oh, Nanny, good one. You, you'll be lucky to not get booked. In my yeah. mind, like, you'll be lucky he's not booked for time-wasting. <laughs> like Van Persie scoring against Barcelona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a goal? Like, yeah. What? Do you know who the ref was for that? Mark Vandenberg. It was Mark Vandenberg, <laughs> oh. which is a controversial one. There's, there was obviously a lot of stuff surrounding him and Man U, but... I don't know, to yeah, be honest. I, 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 think that is a... I want to watch it again, but watch everything in camera. You know, yeah. you're watching football, you're watching the ball and maybe a few players around. Like, I want to watch the ref. I want to see where he's looking, what, where his linesman is, because it's linesman's side, because it's the right wing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Defending teams, it's the linesman's side. And so the fact they haven't seen between them, Nanny picking up the ball uh, <laughs> is crazy. It's mad. We'll make sure we... Uh... With all the other clips, we'll link, we'll yeah, yeah. find a clip for the nanny one and link it in the bio. But that's a really interesting one. And congratulations, you have made it to the top of our lead. There you go. <laughs> um, you are, one one. One. you are the first, as in, we will see who makes if anyone challenges you next week. Um, but that that's going to be a hard one to beat. I think that one's going to be right up there. But yeah, I think that's all we've got covered for this week, as in, a pleasure. Thank you, Leas, for coming on for episode one of the uh of the podcast thank um, you for having me we um we'll get you back on at another point in the year to uh yeah definitely hear another one who says maybe next time you have to bring a best decision of all time yeah. maybe next time you'll bring the same decision but have it in your best decision of all time category uh but yeah it's been great having you on uh theo you got anything to say just before we finish nothing to add really just uh this has been good fun honestly yeah. uh, i'm excited to do another one yeah yeah i can't wait for next week Hopefully, we will be having we'll have a new special guest next week, and uh, we will be a bit more active on Twitter this week, shall we put it? Engaging a bit more with the refereeing decisions and sharing everything. And Theo is going to start writing the list on his whiteboard. So, Leah, look out for your name at look out for your name at number one on the list. I'm dying to see it. <laughs> it's going to be all over your Twitter. People are going to be like, you're number one of a list that no one else is on. Why are you sharing? I this might be Twitter? last on that same list. Depends how you look at it. <laughs> That's also true. But yeah, it's been great, guys. And we have been uh, the reps in specs. See you next time.